Yeah. Say it again. The Lord, good. <laughs> Hallelujah. What if the rapture just takes place right now? <laughs> you can have church by yourself if you stay back. <laughs> We're gone. All right. The Lord God has given me the tongue of learning, and I shall know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as I learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Spirit of God, speak today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, in First um, Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, If only in this world we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most miserable. Most, I mean, to be pitied. If only in this life we have hope in Christ. Meaning in this life, there are things that you will receive for your benefit as a Christian. There is value to Christianity if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior right in this world. There is value to it. But Paul says, if only in this life, that's all we got. Walk with God. God taking care of us, being our shepherd. If that's all that we have, we are to be mostly pitied. We should be pitied. Because there is more on the other side of this life. And we must never forget. We talk about how to live a life here, to survive, pay the bills and all of that. And that's just preparation for where we're going. This life is short. Extremely short. Compared to eternity. And we must not forget that Jesus came to the world for that primary purpose. Lest you, so caught, you become so caught up with everything that is going on in this life, you forget where you're going. There was a statement that Jesus made and it astounded me when you listen to what he's saying. He said, you know, I know where I'm from. And I know, he says, the words that I'm speaking to you, even though I bear witness of myself, is true. Because I know where I came from. And I know where I'm going. And then he said to them, but you don't know where I came from. And so you don't even know where I'm going. We are going to be with God. And that's very important. You know, in this life, there will be mockers. There are mockers. People that mock the things of God. They mock the things of God. It's like, yeah, I know of heaven, but that's okay. They're sometimes in church. They mock because it's not real to them. You know, Jesus, uh, the Bible, Jesus made a statement in uh, Luke chapter 17, beginning from verse 26 and 27, for mockers. It says, and as it was in the days of Noah, 
so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. So we are living in the days of the Son of Man. That's the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Just as it was in his days, it says, they ate, they drank, they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Everything was normal. They were doing everything normally uh, before Noah went in the ark. And God was in a hurry at that time. This was before the flood. And God said, put Noah in and shut the door to the ark by himself. And then the rain came and destroyed them all. How many of them? He destroyed them all. You know, the Bible tells us for about a hundred years, Noah was preaching to the people. In Hebrews chapter 11, I believe it's 7, he says, God spoke to him about what was coming, about things that have never been. No one had ever seen a flood before that time. No, they didn't even know what rain was like. They had never seen rain before. So they were not concerned. So Noah, for a hundred years, he was building the, tra- tra- the, the uh, ark. And they were wondering, what are you building this for? They mocked at him. And for a hundred years, he kept telling them, there will be rain. There was going to be a flood. He was a preacher of righteousness. None of them listened. They, mo- they, they mocked him. And then all of a sudden, it came. And then Jesus said in the same, the same chapter, verse 28, it says, Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot. And this is a little, a little different here. Because in the days of Lot, they also ate, they drank. <laughs> Nothing is said about marriage. They bought and sold. I mean, you know why I know nothing about marriage, right? Nothing said about marriage. They bought and sold. They planted and they built. That was the in thing. That was what they were doing. Lord couldn't even convince his own son-in-laws to get out. Until Lord left. And then he said, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Again, he destroyed them all. The key thing here is to mock at these things and not to take them seriously and realize it could happen anytime. It could happen anytime. That's how serious this is. You know, Isaiah 28, verse 22 says, Now, therefore, this is a very important scripture. Please take note of this. Very important. It says, Now, therefore, do not be mockers. And he's going to tell you why. Lest your bonds be made strong. If you mock at this, your heart's going to get hardened. Where you don't even think something like this will ever happen in this life. Lest your bonds become strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a destruction determined even upon the whole earth. So mocking at this is, is a problem. It never ends up well for mockers. You have, no, you 
have to really pay attention to what God is saying. There are three individuals in the New Testament that the Bible tells us have been in heaven and they came back to the earth to talk to us. And if we read in John 3 verse 13, it says, No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. The Son of Man who is in heaven. No one has ascended up there and come down to the earth, but Jesus came down from heaven. Notice the word that he said, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Jesus was standing on the earth, but he's also in heaven. That's what the scripture says. He came to tell us about the, the, the Father. But if you read in the scriptures, you will quickly notice Jesus didn't describe heaven to us much. You notice that? He never told us about how beautiful heaven was. Read. He didn't talk about the beauty of heaven, the environment, none of that when he was here. That was kind of surprising to me. He is the ladder between the earth and heaven. He has access to both realms. He connects. He knows about it. If he tells us about the beauty, we won't get it. We wouldn't know what he's talking about. So that was an important. The important thing, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Jesus said, I have so many things I want to tell you. But you can't bear them. You can't understand them. He said to Nicodemus, if I tell you of the things of the earth and you don't understand it, how could you understand it if I tell you about heaven? You can't. The glory is beyond our understanding. It's a home for people. That's where God lives. If you are a king and you own everything in the universe and you're going to prepare a palace for you and God the king of the world, he lives in heaven and Jesus tells us many times, pray to your father who is in heaven, right? God is in heaven. How beautiful. John gives, gives, gives us a little glimpse of what the place is. Streets made of pure gold, like glass. You can see through it. Pure gold. That's how beautiful it is. So Jesus never told us about how beautiful that place is. He didn't even describe much of it. And in Revelation, John tells us a little bit. But then, Paul was the other individual that went up. Paul said, I don't understand whether in the flesh... Or, or in this way, I don't, I, I don't know. But I was caught up to the third heaven. I was caught up there. To the third heaven. I read in Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he, he was caught up 
into paradise, into this third heaven, and heard unexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to offer. It's incredible. He didn't talk about the way the place looked. Words. That was all he was concerned about. I heard things. It was even unlawful for a man to speak on the earth. Words. Inexpressible words. You can't say it. If you say it on the earth, it's unlawful. He wasn't concerned about everything else. Words. And guess who was word? The Bible says in the beginning was the word. And the word was God. He heard words. And because of everything that he's heard, something happened in him. And God had to give him something. A son in the flesh, he said, to keep him level-headed. Because of everything that he's seen. It's a beautiful place. But that's not the important thing there. If you've been there, it's not, that's not the most that important. It's not how beautiful the place is. It's everything that's going on in the place. And it's forever and ever. I've told myself years before, before I received Christ, if the Son of God will pay a price that great, so that I can be in heaven, that's serious. If I miss it, I'll be the greatest fool that ever lived. I've got, to, I've got to be there for the price that he paid. The price to, to get into that place. His own life. If it's not that glorious for mankind, the price to go through the gate, the ticket, is his life. The life of the Son of God for entrance into this place. Why should I miss it? John was the one that told us, he says, there's going to be a new heaven and there's going to be a new earth. The old earth passed away. And then he says something in Revelation chapter 21. He says, and there was no more sea. That caught my attention. I like to you know, watch the sea. In the new, if that's literal. In the new earth, the new, no sea. No, no big bodies of water. No separation. No sea. There was none. Not in heaven. Not in the new heaven. Not in the new earth. We can't be separated from the master. Amen. Always be with him. He says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as the bride at dawn. That's funny. The city is coming out of heaven. Can you get it? A city, the New Jerusalem, but it's coming down out of heaven, right? It's all a mystery. Too glorious for us to understand. Amen? Too glorious for us to really comprehend until we see it. 
You know, sometimes I watch on YouTube those individuals that have seen some part of heaven. They don't want to come back here. <laughs> they just want to stay over there. But we can stay over there by faith. It says in verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he dwells with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no crying. That's pretty good. No crying. There shall be no more pain. Amen. For the former things have passed away. These are all former. Everything that you're going through now is going to end. And then it becomes peace when we come to when we get to him. But the title of the message is the joy of heaven. That's concerning you. The joy of heaven. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus was given, is saying, a parable here. It says, and the, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden. This is now the cross of my message. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. It's not treasure, but it's like it's similar. You can understand it. That's what it's saying. It's like treasure hidden in the field. Which a man found and hid. And for joy over, the, over it, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. He sells all that he has to buy that field for the joy for the joy of that treasure for the joy of the kingdom of God he left and sold everything to obtain it again the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in the field the field in my mind is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is the field where you can find the treasure. The preaching of the gospel, the gospel, the scriptures is right there. It's the field. The more you hear the word, the more you understand the beauty of what God is preparing for us. It's the word of God. He's the field, the scriptures. He found it. He heard the word of God. And when you hear it and you understand what God is preparing for us, now it's time for you. You hide it in your heart. Nobody sees what's going on there after you've heard the word. Now you have to think about it. Now you have to meditate on it. It's about the kingdom of God. You think on it in your heart. What you will lose if you don't go for it. If you don't buy this field and own it, 
And then the cost of it. You count the cost. Jesus said, what man begins to build and he doesn't count the cost. You got to count the cost. And to buy this field, you got to let everything go. To get this treasure, the kingdom of heaven, you got to let everything go. God's not begging you. The kingdom is there for whoever wants it. But you got to pay some price. You got to let everything go. That's our, for the joy of it. That's what Jesus said. When you understand the joy of heaven and what you are escaping from, you're going to give everything. And it demands everything. He says something, I was reading somewhere, there is something about the kingdom of God that requires an extravagant response. And that's the only right response. To give everything up. Everything. You know what that is? Selling all to buy. Your lifestyle. Everything that you've been. That is contrary to God. Your sins. You have to sell. Let go of them. And you go for the kingdom of God. For the joy of it. Not this, let's say a few words of prayer now. Repeat after me. That's good. That's good. But you got to die. Your former life has to die. Everything that you depended on before now, you have to let go. Sell all. For the joy of it. Not for the joy of going to church, but for the joy of the kingdom of God. And there is grace to it. If you want, God provides you with the grace. Amen? And and when you give up, it's a joy. Hallelujah. It's a joy because you get it. You know what you're going to get. It's joy to let it go. Your old life, the sinful life, those places that you used to go, those things that you used, everything. You let it go. And then comes the kingdom of God into your heart. Apart from that, then we're going into the parable of the ten virgins. We got to let everything go. That's how beautiful this is. You know, in a time where all we're concerned about is how we're doing today, how things are for us today, all our troubles is mainly that. I wonder what's going on. For me and you, and the kingdom of God, everything we're concerned about, there should be no other concern. You're giving everything up to have this. Because it's so precious for the joy of it. You know, Jesus, no long statement. Jesus tells you, the kingdom of God, this is the way it is. But if you don't understand it, you are going to keep certain things back. Marcus, you remember Ananias and Sapphira? I mean, you remember them. They were mocking at what's going on. They mocked. So we give everything up. 
That's what God is requiring from us. And I found that this was spoken, it's like a parable. And then as you read in the scriptures, you'll find out that that's exactly what Jesus is asking for. If you're going to enter into the kingdom of God. You remember the story of the rich young ruler? And God had chosen not to put his name in his book. Just a, a young man. This fellow, he loved Jesus. He had heard about Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He was very wealthy. But something in his heart told him, something is not right. With all of your wealth. So he was searching for Jesus. He knew he had to have eternal life. I wonder how many room think about it. He had everything, but he knew that's not enough. I need to have eternal life. I want to inherit eternal life. People don't think about these things like this. This was a true story. It actually happened to a Jewish man. Who should be sure he had eternal life? But he saw Jesus and he knew something was not right. I've got to have, I've got to be sure I have eternal life. And everything is well with me and my God. So he searched for Jesus. You can find the same story in all of the synoptic gospels. John didn't go into that. All of them. Mark, Matthew, Luke. But I'm reading from Luke. He says, now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him. He worshipped Jesus and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? If you read in Matthew, he says, what good thing can I do? To inherit eternal life. How can I buy eternal life? I want to be sure I got this. What good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandments. So he gave him some of the, com- some of the commandments. Um, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. That's a no- good number of them. But let's listen to what the man said. And he answered and said to Jesus, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. I kept them. I went to church. I shook the preacher's head. I sang in the choir. I did all of this stuff for my youth. I did all of that. Then he says, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, One thing you lack. Just one thing. So now... 
he said to him, sell whatever you have, everything that you have. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. It says, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possession. Maybe your thing is not wealth that you got. But God demands everything. God demands everything. So we have the fulfillment of what Jesus, the parable Jesus was talking about. He wants all of you. He wants everything. If you're going to make it, he wants all of you. That's going to be your life. Your old life has to go away and you have to follow God faithfully and follow him. The man went home sorrowful. I'm amazed how you can give up eternal life for things. We must be very careful. We can get so busy trying to make it that we forget what is truly important. Eternal life is more important than everything else that you're going through. And we must keep that in focus. It's number one. Every other thing is a distraction if it's not going to help you serve God. And it could be a trap of Satan to distract you so you don't serve God faithfully. We must constantly search our hearts to see what's really going on there. If God's still occupying the place he occupied when we first accepted him into our lives. Or have we now allowed other things to take his place? You got to give all and follow. All and follow. You don't look to the right. You don't look to the left. You give all to follow. And Jesus also gave a, a faithful saying to us. In Matthew 16, I, believe, I want to read from verse 26. He says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So what Jesus is saying to us here, even if you get everything that the world has to offer, you cannot compare it to heaven. The joy of heaven. We must make that commitment to follow Christ till the very end. That's what he's calling the church to. Yes, we deal with issues and we deal with problems and all of that. But God has already promised, I will help you. The first place is What's happening in the kingdom of God? How am I contributing to what God is doing on the earth? 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's what's going on with the kingdom of God. We're letting everything go so we can have that kingdom of heaven. Peter actually saw this man leave and walk away sad. There are some of us here, I can feel in my spirit, God's telling you, you need to let this go. I feel that in my spirit. God, I don't know what it is. God's telling you, I want to get closer to you. But you are caught in this thing. It's taking over your life. You need to let it go. So I can have all of you. I believe there's somebody here, maybe more. Let this go so I can have all of you. You will never regret it. God doesn't take. He gives. You need to have an open vessel for it to pour into. As long as the vessel is still filled, God has nowhere to... There's nothing there to... There's no space there to pour into. You can't have anything more glorious than to have God in your life. If you think you're having a life out there, outside God, you haven't really seen life yet. When you let go and you let God come in, then you will really begin to see the beauty of this life. That's why Paul said, if only in this life we have hope, there is hope for God's people in this life. God will take care of you. Oh yes. God is faithful to take care of you. He will keep you from trouble. He will make everything well according to the scriptures if you stay close to him. Nothing will go awry if you stay close to him. We only get in trouble and things get difficult when we begin to walk away from him. Because now we are leaning on our own understanding and we are not trusting in him anymore. Situations come into our lives. Every one of us have to deal with it. But God says, when you have the kingdom, you are in the kingdom, the kingdom is in you. God stay with you. Things will eventually work out. God will come through for you. But once you turn away, that's it, dangerous. You know, somebody says, you know, we get saved and we get to know God. But then there are certain areas. They say, well, you, you can have all the rooms in my home. But this particular room, God, that's my room. You don't go there. I don't want to see you going there. And guess what? He'll keep it. He'll stay away from that room. But we can't turn to God completely with everything. Peter was glad when he heard the message. He heard from Jesus. The joy of the kingdom. When the man left, Jesus made a statement. How hard it is for those that are rich to enter into the kingdom of God. (laughs) The disciples thought, wow, that's all of us. We can't go in. They said, who then can be saved? But God's not after money. 
is not sell everything and come. God actually put his hand on that man's God. Right? That was the issue here. It's the thing that you are leaning on that you expect to be your savior when things get difficult. And God says, let that go and trust in me and in me alone. Life is very short. When Peter says, who then can be saved? And Jesus said to man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And Peter, wanting to be sure of what was going on here, that he was part of the kingdom, notice what he says. Master, we have left everything to follow you. Question, can you say the same? Can you say the same this morning? You don't have to leave your home. You don't have to leave your job. You don't have to leave anything. It's a hard issue. You can let go. And abandon yourself to the service of God. And you can do that today. Jesus said to Peter. No man who has left land. Brother. Sister, mother, whatever you've left to follow Christ. He said you will have in this particular life, land. If you have, you'll have it here more, a hundredfold. And then you have eternal life. Peter was happy to hear that. No more questions. But today, I'm going to end with this. It has all to do with love. Love for God. Loving God. You know, God said, you must love the Lord your God with what? Some of your heart? All of your heart. All of your mind, your soul. Your mind, every part of you. Again, we come back to the same thing. God's asking for all of it. But let me say this to you. If God's asking you to love him with all, I know he's loving you. I mean, to love him with all. I know he's loving you with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his strength. That's how much God loves you. He loves you with everything. God will not ask you to love him. And then he's not willing to do the same. God is loving you as much as he's asking you to love him. And I believe that's the key. How much you love God. Every time you demonstrate a lack of love for God in whatever you're doing, it's really painful to him. 
And the question is not what you have done. It's your love for him. If you've given everything to follow him, it's your love for him. That's what's important to him. I know it's hard, it's it's kind of different for you to hear. It's not what you've done. It's really because of your love. Whether you're in church or not, it's still your love. You remember how Peter denied Jesus? He denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Did Jesus ever talk to him about what he did? No. The only thing that was important to Jesus, your love. Do you love me? Do you love me? And then he says, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this? I know some people think when he said, do you love me more than this? Maybe he's talking about, do you love me more than you love your friends, your disciple friends? That's not what he was talking about. The disciples, they know that. And uh, he's not saying, do you love me more than your disciples love me? How could he know if they love him more than Peter himself loved Jesus? The problem was, do you love me more than your fishing and all of that? That's the important thing. That's the important thing. Do we love him? The joy of heaven, giving everything to God, and loving God, number one, and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what God wants this morning. Would you bow your heads with me today? Today we want to commit our lives to loving God above everything else. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to know him and you want to know his love, Jesus is here today and will welcome you into his kingdom. How many here today say, I'm giving everything up. I'm going to serve Jesus. If that's you, can I see your hand up? I'm giving everything up. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God all over this place. Nothing is more important. Nothing is more important than to serve God. Not even... Friends, work, not even family. Nothing is more important than serving God above all. Thank you, Jesus. Just enter into a closet place with Christ this morning. 
meet to him and ask him, Lord, strengthen me. I want to love you. And I want to love my fellow man. Those are these two commandments. I know we are believers. Many of us are. If not all of us this morning. But if you're not, commit to Christ. Ask him into your heart. It's private between you and your God today. Let him speak to you. Let him know that you love him. And that you want him in your heart. You want him to take full control of everything. You're holding nothing back. Everything you own belongs to him. You're willing to let go if he calls. You're willing. You will follow. He's here this morning. I want us to commit, every one of us, commit to his, to his service. How many will do his beating? Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May you see his face this morning. May his countenance shine upon you this morning. Don't let difficulties distract you from your love for God. Trust Him with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. God will come through. How many say here today, I'm going to trust God from this day forward. No looking back. Would you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet this morning. People don't take spiritual things that seriously. That's not you. Amen? That's not you. It's going to be serious. Living with for God. Amen? Would you lift your hands this morning? And all I want you to say to him, just tell him how much you love him. Let him come out from your mouth. Say to him, God, I love you. God, I love you. Tell him you love him with all of your heart. Ask him to take possession of your heart. I love you, Jesus. And feel his presence right now in the name of Jesus. God, I love you. God, I love you. May I never, ever stray away from your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm deliberately holding you back. We are too much in a hurry. We can be in his presence and enjoy his presence and let him download things into our lives as we stand before him today. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves you. Dearly. You don't have to be afraid to let go. He will not disappoint you. Will not disappoint you. Amen. God bless you. Turn around. Shake hands with one or two individuals. God bless you.